So kids seem to grow like crazy in summer. Have you ever seen that? Like, experienced that? I, I'm, it, it amazes me, especially now that I have my own and they're getting in their teenage years. It's, it, it's, you, you see them and then all of a sudden, a week, one week goes by and that week later they have a shoe size bigger and they're walking around the house in their pants and they look like Steve Urkel. And if you're not old enough to know who Steve Urkel is, um, do yourself a favor, search him on YouTube. And uh, um, it's, so it surprises me. But yet it's natural, isn't it? I mean, it surprises me every year. We look at our kids and the teenagers in, uh, that are in, our, in proximity with us and they just grow like crazy in the, in the summer. And it surprises, but yet that's how God created us, right? See, God created us to live and to grow. Why do we get so surprised when things grow? And, and w- w- because God, this is how God created us. God created our bodies to grow. God created, uh, you know, that's why our bodies, uh, and for some of us, our bodies like um, have higher uh, expectations and other, others have lower expectations <laughs> that God set for us in these boundaries that they grow into. Uh, God created our minds to grow. And, and it's power to know more and process more and the wisdom that our minds can have. He created um, relationships to grow with each other. He created our relationships uh, with each other to grow. And he created the marriage relationship to become stronger over the years. He created the parent-child relationship to be, grow stronger. He wants your friendships to grow stronger. And God also created our relationship with him to grow. However... Sin stopped all of that. Sin stopped all of that growth. You know what sin is? Sin is not believing in God or his word. That's what sin is. See, many people have an incomplete picture of what sin really is. And sin is not just doing what is wrong. That's some, a part of it. It's, It's why we did what was wrong. That's the really the core of sin. Eating the apple wasn't Adam and Eve's sin. That was the outcome of their sin. It was when Adam and Eve didn't believe God's word. That's when they sinned. The moment they stopped believing God's word, something happened. The cycle of life stopped and they stopped growing. In fact, whenever you stop growing is when you start dying. Because if you're not growing, you are dying. And sin stops our growth because sin brings death. Death is the inescapable consequence of our sin. And because of sin, our bodies now have to die. Because of sin, our relationships die. It's because sin, uh, because of sin between a husband and wife the marriage dies. It's because of sin between a parent and a child that that relationship dies. It's between it's because of the sin between friends that once were strong friends, but because someone in their sin wronged the other because they ultimately did not trust or follow God's word, the relationship dies. And because of sin, our relationship with God dies. Sin brings death, but Jesus brings life. 
Jesus entered our world of brokenness and he entered our world of brokenness to break the curse of sin. And one day he will reverse this cycle of sin. One day, Jesus, in order to reverse the curse of sin and reverse the cycle of sin, he will one day, through his word, he will bring judgment on all sin, serving justice on all sin, on all the injustice. He will serve justice. And in that moment, he will reverse the curse of sin. Like the light of the sun to a plant in a dark room, Jesus brings life to people who are under the curse of sin but receive his word of life. And Jesus invites us to follow him, to experience his life, and to join him in bringing that life. And we're going to talk about that today, more on that in a moment. My name is Casey, and it is such a privilege and an honor to be together in this room with you. Uh, For those of you who are new with us, we are grateful to share this moment with you. And we have a gift for you. After today's service, we'd love to give you that gift. So if you'll, right after the service, make your way across our lobby into the Welcome Center. We'll have a host there who would love to give you that gift. And if you would permit us to share with you four things in that moment in less than four minutes, uh, we'd love to do that to let you know about more who we are as church family. Hey, Westside, would you help me and welcome everyone who's new with us and let them know how grateful we are to share this time with them? Yeah. So we are in the third installment of this series. Uh, we're calling it, We Are God's Family. And this is all about knowing our identity. Our identity is God's family, who we are. And who we are in our identity is so important because our identity defines our mission. And it's out of our mission that our mission drives our vision. And then our vision, it directs our behaviors and our behaviors that we share together. When we look, have the same behaviors together, it creates a culture. And in the church, this is a life-giving culture. Like I said last week, our series Big Idea is more than a series Big Idea. It is almost, it's like on our identity statement. And I want to ask you to say this with me. So if you uh, get out your notes and we're going to uh, look at this and, 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 and you can write this in. But I want us to say this together. It's up on the screen. I'm going to have, have them put up on the screen now if it's not already. And, and you can fill this in. Loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, sharing Jesus is our mission. Those are the blanks. But I want us to say this together. Will you say that together with me? Here we go. We are God's family on mission together. Loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus. To build up Christ-centered families by wrapping God's family around your family. I want you to know this. I want this to seep in you because this is our identity that drives our vision, that, that, that defines our mission, that drives our vision, that directs our behaviors, and this will create a life-giving culture that we want to have in our church family. So let's say this again. Now that you've got the first one out of the way, let's do it with bravado. You ready? We are God's family on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus to build up Christ-centered families by wrapping God's family around your family. Thank you so much for doing that. We are God's family. This is our identity. We are on mission together. Our identity defines our mission. And we are loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus. And loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus is more than a mission to us. This is what we believe is, a, is the premier, it's like a dis- definition of what a dis- who a disciple is and what a disciple does. Who is a disciple of Jesus? The disciple of Jesus is the person who's loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus. And it's also what we do as disciples. We together are loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing 
sharing Jesus. This is what we do and this is who we are. And this then identifies, it shapes and directs our, uh, our vision. It, it brings direction to our vision. And our vision is to build up Christ-centered families. We want to raise up Christ-centered singles. For those of you who, who are single, we want to wrap God's family around you and help you build healthy networks that are your family because God's family is your family. For those of you who are empty nesters and your kids are out of the house, we want to be God's family to you and build you up to be a Christ-centered disciple. We want to raise up those of you that have kids and you're young and, and you've got kids or you've got kids in your life that you're raising. We want to build you up and we want to build you up. And the way that we're going to do that is by wrapping God's family around your family. And this is what we're going to do and, and to, to wrap God's family around your family. We're going to do this by loving one another the way Jesus has loved us. And this is the shared behavior. This is the shared behavior that when we do this together, it creates a culture. And in that culture, life change happens. Transformation occurs. Now, last week we looked at this first behavior that we wanted to share together. And we looked at this first behavior we share together out of our identity. We are loving Jesus. And the behavior we share in loving Jesus is the thing that it starts at, this keystone habit that that begins it all, is we have to gather together to love one another. Last week, we gave you an ace card. I mean, last week, we talked about it. This week, we gave you the ace card when you walked in. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go last week and download it or listen to it on YouTube or on our app. But we talked last week about how we can accept one another, challenge one another, and encourage one another. This is how we love one another when we gather together. We accept one another. We challenge one another, and we encourage one another to follow Jesus. This is how we demonstrate our love for Jesus. We gather to love one another. Now today we're going to look at another behavior that we need to share in common because we're God's family. And because we're God's family, this is another behavior that every one of us, no one is excluded. In fact, if you exclude it, you're going to see the detriment of not putting this behavior into action in your life. But we all need to do this and it has to do this together. We don't do this alone. We have to do this in community. And as we do this behavior together, we will grow together to build one another up. This is how we're going to build Christ-centered families. This is how we're going to build each other up to become the body of Jesus. The family of God is the body of Jesus. And we are the presence of God in this world. Now, last week, we said this. We said to see Jesus is to see God. A very important truth. We read in scripture where Jesus made this bold claim. He said, if you see me, you say God. And we saw last week how this first century church, the first century disciples believed this and they taught this as a foundational truth. Today, there's another foundational truth we need to build our faith upon. And it is this, God's word brings life. This is a foundational truth. God's word brings life. Through God's word, humanity was created to reflect the image of God. This is a foundational truth to who we are as God's family. God's word brings life. And it was through God's word that that God created humanity. And he created humanity with this purpose, to reflect his image. 
In Genesis 1-3, we can read that God spoke and God said that is a spoken. It's through his word that God created all things. He created anything, everything into existence. This is why we have that narrative, that beautiful poetic narrative in the beginning. It's to tell us how God brought things into being. He spoke it. It's his word that is powerful. In Numbers um, 23, verse 19, it shows us that God's word is truth. And you can look these up later. I just wanted to reference these. He speaks and something happens. We see this all through scripture. When God speaks, action takes forth. And he acts by speaking. And, and here's the thing about God's words. He cannot lie. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, the, the prophet records God saying that every word he says will be accomplished. Each word he says is a promise that will be fulfilled. You can count on it and you can bet on it. And to ignore God's word, if his word is life, to ignore God's word is to reject life. Hebrews 4.12, the New Testament writer to this New Testament church says the word of God is alive, it's living, and it's active. It's alive and active. And then the writer goes on to say it cuts through everything in us and gets down to the center of who we are. See, God's word is not just alive and active. It is powerful. And since God is life, and his words bring life, we have to realize we live by God's word. We live by God's word. This is how important God's word is to you and I. We came into existence by it, and we are sustained by his word. Jesus would say that God's word is more important than eating. In Matthew 4, 4, while being tempted, Jesus relied on God's word that was recorded in scripture. He would quote these scriptures when being in those heat of temptation. He would rely on God's word more than he would rely on food. When you and I read the gospels, it is clear to us that Jesus relied on the word of God and claimed that his own words were God's life-giving words. Because, and we believe this, Because Jesus came back to life. And because Jesus came back to life, we can see that he relied on this, what we call the Old Testament. And and he models for us that we need to rely on God's word. And he models and exemplifies to us that we need to obey God's word. However, many people who say they are in the family of God, many people who say they are Christians, don't rely on God's word. And we don't rely on it and obey it like Jesus did. And think about this. If we knew who we were, then we would all share this same behavior together. That we, if we knew we were God's family, the God's family, Jesus models, relies on God's word. And if Jesus relied on God's word, why do we think we don't need to know God's word? Jesus also claimed that his words were the words of life. This is what he claimed. In, 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 in um, John 5, 24, he says, very truly. Anytime Jesus says very truly or truly, truly, you read that in scripture, you need to lean in. He's giving you a foundational truth to believe in. He goes, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my what? Word. 
Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Only one way. And will not be, look at this, and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life because his word is life. In verse 25, very truly, lean in, he says. I tell you, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus is God. And his words give life to those who hear his word and believe him. Life is in God's word. We need to understand this foundational truth to our being and to our life, not just now on this earth, but eternally. Life is in God's word. And Jesus invites you. Jesus invites you. Based, it doesn't matter how you grew up believing. He invites you. And he says, I don't care what your parents taught you. I don't care what culture's modeling to you. I want you to, I invite you to f- listen to me. Look at me. I, and, and, and we can trust him because he rose back to, uh, again from the dead. And he invites you to follow his way of life. Just as he modeled this and he relied on God's word, which is life. See, to follow Jesus, we must also rely on God's life-giving word revealed in scripture. You cannot follow Jesus if you're not willing to follow him. And to follow him means we have to rely on God's word revealed in scripture just as Jesus did. And we cannot expect to ignore God's word and have a fulfilled life. You cannot expect to go through this life and have and, 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 and experience life to the fullness that God promises if we are not relying on His Word. See, God's Word is the source of a fulfilled life. God's Word revealed in Scripture was important to Jesus and it is important to the, us. It was important to Jesus. And you know who else it was important to? It was important to the first century disciples. Because Jesus relied on the recorded scriptures that he had access to, which is the Hebrew scriptures that we call our Old Testament. He had access to this. And and the apostles, they relied on God's word. And not only that, the apostles, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write certain letters down and distribute it. And they saw that those letters, they knew this, they, this was the, the written word of God to that first century church. The first century church and, and these apostles, uh, they, they, they believed in the words of the apostles. The apostles who Jesus commissioned relied on Jesus' words and the Hebrew scriptures. And they recognized both of these as God's words. And then the first century disciples relied on the apostles' teachings. We see this in Acts 2.42. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. Why? Because they were devoted to God's word. Why? Because they were God's family. And God's family relies on God's word. It, we live by it. And because they, th- this, the church was committed to following Jesus by following the words of God, the words of Jesus. And the end result of following Jesus is that we become like him. Think about this. The end result of following Jesus is the original design that God had for humanity. Created in his likeness. If Jesus is God, when we see God's word and we follow God's word, it transforms us and we are restored through his word 
that we follow, what we believe, we rely on, and we obey. It restores us into becoming like Jesus. And when you become like Jesus, you reflect the image of God. See, humanity was created in God's image by the Word of God. And using the Word of God, relying on the Word of God today in our life is how we become more like Jesus. See, we become like Jesus by the Holy Spirit's work as we live by God's word revealed in Scripture. We become like Jesus by the Holy Spirit's work as we live by God's word revealed in Scripture. To follow Jesus means that we become like Jesus and only by knowing Jesus through his words and through the word of Scripture can you become like him. There is no other way to that. This is why God's word that has been recorded in scripture is so precious to us today. Because only by God's word can you fulfill the original design for which you were created. Only by God's word can you you fulfill your full potential which God placed inside you and he has in you. Only by God's word can you do that. And the only way to fulfill our potential as the family of God is by doing and relying on God's word together. So here's a teaching big idea. We are becoming like Jesus by navigating scripture to follow Jesus together. We are becoming like Jesus by navigating scripture to follow Jesus together. Now the reason we chose these words this way is because Scripture is a complex library that has been given to humanity. It is not one book that you read one book and you can just read it from beginning to end and understand it. No, we have to navigate the scripture. We have to realize that it was written to another culture and another people. It was written to a unique people. But while it was written to them, it was written for us still today. And we have to navigate the scripture because if we don't navigate the scripture wrong, well, we will get it wrong and we will be deceived. There will be error in how we interpret that scripture. But we have to navigate this in a community. You cannot navigate the scripture alone. We have to do this together. We cannot become like Jesus if we don't see the importance of God's word that is revealed in scripture. This is so important. And, it, and, and, it's, it, and it's complex. And we need to recognize its complexity. It's not just a black and white text that many think it is. It's not. And we have to learn to navigate this. And we can't learn to navigate this unless we're in community together. See, Scripture was extremely important to Jesus. And it's important to the church because it's God's word that we live by. And this is why the church we read about in Acts 2.42 was devoted to the apostles' teaching because Jesus taught them how to navigate all the prophecies. He let them know that everything in Scripture pointed to him. He taught them how to navigate it all to understand the narrative of Scripture and what it was created for. See, Scripture was incredibly important and extremely important to Jesus and it is important to the church because it's what we live by. The church needs to then hold Scripture highly. And today... There are many people that call themselves Christ followers, call themselves the family of God, but they do not hold the scripture highly. They do not hold this as God's word and they don't hold God's word as highly because they don't realize 
that we live by God's word. And the church needs to hold scripture highly because scripture is the sacred word of God that has been preserved by God to reveal the truth of God and bring the life of God to whomever knows it and believes in it by trusting in it to be transformed by it. Let me say that again. The sacred word of God has been preserved by God to reveal the truth of God, to bring the life of God to whomever knows it and trusts in it to be transformed by it. Life transformation comes only one way, when Jesus and Scripture guides our beliefs and actions. This is when transformation happens, when Jesus and Scripture guide our beliefs and actions. Jesus and Scripture are the things that guide our beliefs and actions. Why? Because Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the words in Scripture are the inspired word of God. Only when Jesus and Scripture guide us in what we believe can we have life. Only when Jesus and Scripture guide us in how we behave and act can we experience the new life that God has called his family to experience. Knowing and trusting in God's word that is revealed in Scripture is the key to life because we live by God's word. This is the key to a resilient, unshakable faith. This is why we have to navigate scripture together in order to follow Jesus together because we need to know and trust in Jesus and and, and God's word. We need to know and trust in Jesus and God's word that is revealed in scripture because it is the key to life. This is why we have to navigate this together. This is why we have to look at some of the complex things that we see in the Old Testament and we go, I don't understand this. And we got to navigate this. How does this point to the end result of Jesus? And how does this lead us to trust in God, hit the fulfillment of his word and follow him? There is no other way to build your faith. You can say, well, I don't need God's word. I just need to rely on God's love. No. You need to rely on God's word. There's no other way to build your faith. You have, you have to know and trust in God's word. That is what faith is. And only by faith in God and his word that is revealed in scripture can you experience true transformational life. Faith is the key to salvation, which is eternal life. God's word is our life because he is our salvation. We must know and trust God's word to grow. Now, when writing his follow-up letter to the first century church, the Apostle Peter, who was transformed not just by Jesus' love, but he was transformed by the word of God, the words of Jesus. And he believed that Jesus held the words of life. And he held on to the scripture knowing they were life because they were God's word. And he ends his letter reminding them of the importance of God's word revealed in scripture. And he reminds them of how important it is to becoming like Jesus. And I want you to, as I read this to you, I just want you to capture the importance of the promises God says, the words that God had allowed to recorded and that he spoke and how important Peter elevates this. And, and, and in this, listen to how Peter reminds the readers of what God promises. And remember this, God's word never fails. So in chapter three of this second letter, this is what he says. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. 
I want you to recall, look at this, the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So you see this? He's elevating. He's elevating the written word of God as they had it in the scripture, of the, the, the Hebrew scripture. He's also elevating the apostles' teaching. He, he's, he's saying he's elevating the apostles' teaching as the word of Jesus and as, as given by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. And these became the letters of the New Testament. This is why it's so important. Peter then shares why God's word is so important to know for yourself. He goes, above all, in verse 3, you must understand that the, in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? He's coming back? Where is it at? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that by long ago, look at this, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by the water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So here, Peter gives a sober reminder to everyone. He reminds the church, one, that judgment is coming. And we can trust it because God's word does not stop. It will fulfill what it promises. And God created all things, everything, and, and by his word. And one day God's word will bring judgment on sin and will bring justice and it will be served through his word. And in verse eight, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. And all of us understand slowness in one way. We want it today, don't we? He goes, instead, God is patient with you. The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? He goes back to their identity. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt with the heat. But in, look at this, keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him. In other words, make every effort to be holy, to become like Jesus. Make every effort to become like Jesus, to have peace with God and, and to become like who you were created to be, like Jesus. And then 15, he goes, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation because God's not here. That means many more can be saved. 
God's, the Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. And some of us can say amen. He goes, which ignorant and unstable people distort. And this is so important. Why do they distort it? As they do other scriptures to their own destruction. See, here Peter says that to distort God's word for your own desires is to write your own destruction. This is why we have to navigate God's word in community. And then he goes this, Therefore, dear, bro- dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. And then in this moment, after he says, be on your guard, be on your guard, how do we guard ourselves? He gives this one final, and I think it's one of the beautiful pictures of what a disciple is, this verse 18. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him, be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Peter ends by an encouraging and challenging word to the church, to the, the family of God, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do we do this? How do we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We navigate Scripture together. This is how we grow, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to navigate Scripture together to grow in knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is what it is. Scripture is the key to knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's the key to knowing God. It's it's God's Word that reveals who He is. And we must grow in our knowledge. This is why we have to navigate this. It is complex, but we've got to navigate this together to become like Jesus. To follow him. We are becoming like Jesus by navigating scripture to follow Jesus together. And when we do this, we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus as our Savior. And we grow in the knowledge of Jesus as our Lord. See, scripture is what leads us to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. See, to know Jesus as Lord, we must submit to his authority Therefore, we have to submit to his word. So we must have to submit to his authority and word. We cannot uh, submit to Jesus as Lord if we're not submitted to his word. We can't. Jesus is not Lord if we do not submit to his word revealed in scripture. If we're not navigating this together to know what this means for our lives and putting ourselves under its authority to allow us to guide us into our beliefs and actions. He's not Lord. And if Jesus is not Lord and we don't believe his word, Jesus' words, not mine, we can't experience his life. We must trust in his authority over us. To not do so is saying, I trust my authority. But my word doesn't bring life. His does. We must trust that he is the almighty God. And we must grow in Jesus, being our Lord by continuing to submit his word you can trust him as your lord by the way because he is your savior 
He loves you and there's a grace for you. And to know Jesus as Savior, we must trust in his grace. We must know his grace and we grow in knowing his grace. And we grow in knowing his grace through scripture. Scripture is not just God's judgment on sinners and his, he, he's not an angry God. He is patient and he is slow to anger. And scripture reveals his amazing grace for humanity that turned their back on him, but yet he loves them and pursues them. And scripture leads you to know how much he wants to have a relationship and restore the image of God in you. We must grow in this grace by navigating scripture together. This is what we do. We grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And we cannot experience Jesus as Savior if we're not willing to submit to him and trust him as our Lord. Growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord is how we become, it's how you become who you were created to be. This is how you know what your purpose in life is. Navigating scripture, navigating his word to become more like Jesus. And only then, we can only become like Jesus as we navigate this beautiful library of God's word together. And as we navigate scripture together, To become like Jesus, we glorify God. That's what the church was created to do. This is what you were created to do. To glorify God, to reflect his image, to glorify him and reflect his image now and to grow in that and reflect his image forevermore together as his body, his family. And his word has established his purpose for us. And we must therefore be devoted just like the church has always been devoted to his word because his word is life. We must be devoted to his word so we can receive his life. It's receive his eternal life and accomplish his purpose that he created us with. But maybe something needs to change here. Because we haven't seen his word the way we should see his word. Precious, life-giving. Maybe we need to repent and change our mind about his word. And maybe that's what we need to do today. And this is what I want to do. I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray with you right now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. And then I'm going to ask us to pray for each other. And when we pray for each other, this is the prayer. We're going to pray for each other. Father, give my friend a passion for your word so that he or she can become more like Jesus. So will you stand with me? And and will you put your hand over your heart? I want everybody to do this because I think every one of us is guilty of this. Will you put your hand over your heart? And allow me to pray for us. And will you take the same posture of repentance with me? Father... We have not held your word dearly. And we have not been devoted to your word as as we ought to be. Some of us have been skeptical that it's your word. Some of us haven't understood your word. Some of us have navigated this, trying to navigate this on our own. Or we've been, we've allowed errors and and, and, and different ways of life to, to distract us. But today we repent of that. We change our mind about this because Jesus, you relied on God's word. And you clearly reveal that we need to rely on this. And we need to navigate this together to become more like you. So we can follow you. So we repent 
of this. Change our hearts in this matter. And may we have a passion to follow your word and trust in it and know it so we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, this is what I want you to do. Would you turn to those around you, maybe groups of two or three, and I want you to pray this prayer that they're putting up over them or however God leads you to pray, would you pray this way? And then we're going to sing together and it's going to be a beautiful song as we do this.